The American Truck Driver Podcast, Episode 26. tell you about a experience I had yesterday. It was time for me to go and renew my commercial driver's license. My license is good for five years um, because I have hazmat. So about three weeks ago, I had to go and be fingerprinted and, and uh, submit to a federal background check with the Transportation Security Administration, the TSA. So I receive a letter that says that I am eligible to take the hazmat test and get the hazmat endorsement on my license. And in my home state, I think they actually do like 10-year driver's licenses, but because mine has to expire when my hazmat expires, it's only good for five years. So I, uh, I prepare... Uh, the night before, I go to a practice website, and I take a bunch of practice tests so that I'm prepared to take this hazmat test. Now, I I have a pretty good grasp on hazmat because I do quite a bit of it, and also because the company that I'm leased to has an outstanding hazmat department that has taught me a lot, and so I know a lot of the things to look for on a shipping paper uh, so that helps, but still, you know, a lot of these goofy questions, you have to be ready and you have to kind of have your mindset uh, ready to uh, encounter uh, these goofy-ass questions that they make uh, that try to trick you. So I study, and um, and I'm, I'm prepared, and so I call the DMV the morning of because I'm going to make sure that I have all the paperwork that I need because, uh, of course, I went to the website, and it says, click here to see a list of required documents. And, of course, the link is broken. So I call the DMV, and I sit on hold for about 20 minutes, and I find out I've got to have my driver's license, Social Security card, birth certificate, two proofs of, identity, of, of residency. So I take my water bill, my electric bill, my uh, medical card, and my TSA letter. So I am ready. So we go to the local DMV office, and I sit and wait for about an hour, and my number finally gets called, and I walk up, and this lady goes, are you letting your hazmat go? And I'm like, what are you talking about? She's like, well, you have to test first. And I'm like, are you kidding me? I had sat in front of the desk where they, where they set people up to test, now for an hour. So I'm already aggravated. So she takes me over there, and, and they get me set up to take the test. And I go in, I sit down, and I've got a screen. It's a touch screen there, and, and, I'm, and I'm going through each of the questions, you know, and they have a skip function. So if there was a question I wasn't 100% sure of, I would skip it, just to make sure, because I had to get 24 out of 30, which means I had six skips available to me. Uh, so I just, you know, you're better off to skip one you're not 100% sure about, because the next one is going to be, a ringer, you know, really, really easy. Um, so I get to a question, 
that talks about the basic description of a hazardous material on the shipping papers. And it says, the basic description includes the identification number, the proper shipping name, the hazard class, and the packing group. Which one of these is first? And I thought, well, psh, this one is so easy. Uh, it's the UN number. The identification number is first. So I hit identification number. I hit submit. This is your final answer. Wrong. Now, here's what's crazy. Five years ago, I missed that same question because it was wrong then. I didn't say anything. I passed the test. I kept my mouth shut. Maybe at that time, maybe I wasn't 100% sure. Um, well, now I'm 100% I'm sure, without a doubt, that that question in their stupid test is wrong. I missed one other question, and that was only because I read it too fast, um, and it was you know super easy. So anyway, I passed the test, and so I've I've got a, a sigh of relief, and I go back out, and I said, listen, one of those questions is wrong, and she's like, what are you talking about? And I said, it was wrong five years ago, and it's wrong now. And I said, how many people have failed? to get their hazmat because of that one question. So this lady actually took the time. She goes, well, come over and show me the question. So she brings it up, and I show her, and I said, look, the, pro the identification number is first. Now, I think it used to be different, like maybe five or ten years ago or something. There was a, there, I know there was a change made at some point. I just can't remember exactly if that's it. But I think maybe the proper shipping name used to be first because I think it's first in the hazardous materials table. Uh, but now they have the, the, the UN number is, is first. And so um, I show her, she goes and gets another girl, and the girl gets out the book. And I always email, or most of the time, I will email a copy of my hazmat paperwork on a load to our hazmat department and let them look over it. So I just pulled up my email and found a shipping paper that I had sent recently, and I said, look, right here. And the lady wouldn't even look up at me. And she's like, well, what matters is in this book? And I'm thinking, obviously not. So she finally goes through and finds the page number that's referenced on the question. And right there it is, the identification number, the proper shipping name, the hazard class, and the packing group, in that order. Now, it's uh, July 2018, so I figured, you know, probably by the time, by, you know, the year 2075, uh, they'll go in there and finally fix that question. I'm not going to hold my breath, but if you're taking a hazmat test in West Virginia, uh, you better know that, that that question is wrong. So I made a, a a little, you know, quip on Facebook while I was sitting there reading. I, I posted a status that said, I'm about to buy back my freedom uh, no, that's not how I said it. I'm about to buy back my God-given rights to travel and enterprise for another few years. Now, for all the an anarchist libertarian uh, people, you know, they'll chuckle at that because the line is among that group is a license is the government taking away your right and selling it back to you. And so, basically, it was an inside joke for some of my libertarian friends. But a friend of mine commented, and he said, well, I mean, surely you don't want people running up down the road in those trucks 
that 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 don't have a license. I mean, you you don't want a, a, an airplane pilot, uh, you know, flying you around that doesn't have a license. And this is my response, and this is the point that I I would like to get across in this episode. If you think that the fact that an individual has gone to a government building and done the absolute bare minimum to get that agency to give them a piece of plastic and that that is what qualifies them to do whatever job that they have granted the license for. If you think that that's what keeps you safe, you're going to have a bad day. It's, it's so funny that we put that type of um, credit, you know, that, 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 that we, we say, oh, yeah, that guy's got a driver's license. He knows how to drive. Come on, y'all. I mean, if you've driven a car five miles, you know that a driver's license is not any indication whatsoever that somebody has any clue what they're doing. But what are the real factors? What are the real things that, that keep us safe? That What are the actual modifiers of human behavior? Well, it's certainly not the license. We should know that by now. Well, one is brand identity. We make fun of Schneider and J.B. Hunt and, you know, Swift and uh, Werner and all these, you know, these companies that have the big brand names because if they have a wreck, well, right there's the name on the side of their truck. It's easy to see who it was. Well, if Billy Joe Bob, you know, some independent guy that's got his own authority, you know, I mean, if, if he runs over a, a, through a school full of children, all you know is that guy's name. That's it. There, there's no brand identity. So even with the big carriers, you know, if you look at their numbers, they still have good safety ratings. They just get a lot of bad press because their name is plastered on the side of the trailer. But comparatively speaking, they're they're not unsafe companies. They don't, you know, they just they they have a lot of inexperienced drivers that make some silly mistakes and it makes headlines. But brand identity is really really important in the world, and so a company has a vested interest in making sure that they hire qualified, capable people, not because they have a driver's license, because they have experience, because they have knowledge, because they have the, the right temperament and mentality, and they have, they, they have the qualifications to do the job. The other thing is insurance. If you know, in the in the libertarian world, if you've never been a part of that, a lot of people talk about a stateless society, which means, you know, what what does a community look like if it has no government or or there's no state, right? You kind of have to look at two, both words differently. I'm I'm trying not to get off on tangent here, you know, but a state is a is an organization. Government is a set of rules. You know, churches have government, but private schools have government. Uh, Businesses and corporations have government. They have a set of rules by which you have to follow. I just wish that we would kind of look around us and see what are the actual things that make us safe, that make a difference, that have an actual effect on human behavior. 
insurance companies is number one because ask yourself the question if the truck you're driving right now and you have an accident who's paying the bill the insurance company now if you're you know blatantly negligent you're drunk or whatever you know you're going to probably be personally liable but that that trucking company and that insurance company is on the hook so in the absence of a of a of a, a small little group of people who take your rights away and then sell them back to you in the form of a license. In the absence of those people, we still have trucking companies, we still have shippers and receivers, we still have jobs to do, we, we still have insurance companies, we still have layers of protection and, and sets of rules and principles around us that say, okay, don't drive 90 miles an hour through a construction zone because you're going to run over somebody and kill them. Don't, which... I mean, guys, come on now. Can we stop running 40 miles an hour through the parking lot? I mean, it's not necessarily illegal, but I really wish we would stop being in such a damn hurry that we got to go through the parking lot in eighth gear. You know, I about got run over by the other day by a guy going through the fuel island. I mean, dude had to have been going 30 miles an hour. Well, it's not illegal to to run I don't guess I mean I haven't seen the statute thou shalt not run 40 miles an hour through the truck stop parking lot but boy they damn sure doing an awful lot ask yourself the question what really matters is it because there's some organization whose job it is to write words down on paper and vote for them uh, and then and then say all right here are the rules you better abide by them and if you don't here's what we're going to do to you well the same principle applies with the insurance company. You know, um, I, I mean, I know a guy right now that had a, a kind of a minor accident. It was rear end. Uh, someone stopped in front of him. He hit the car. No one was injured. Uh, but he lost his job because he got a ticket. And he had had a couple other tickets. And so now the company he worked for said, all right, sorry, you got to go. Well, there's your consequence. You know, yeah, he he received a citation, and he'll have to give some money to the state for this for this accident. But the real cost was the fact that he lost his job, and that was because of the insurance company and the carriers. Um, so when you look at that piece of paper in your wallet, that that piece of plastic, you know, the commercial driver's license, all it is is somebody taking your rights away and selling it back to you. Because you have a fundamental God-given right to travel. You have a fundamental God-given right to enterprise. You know, there's, you know, you're, you're serving a need to the community by, by getting in a truck and loading it up with freight uh, to take that deliver to someone that needs it. And you are serving a moral purpose among your fellow man. Um, just because somebody makes you come and give them, you know, 100 bucks every five years, uh, really doesn't have any tangible, good, positive effect other than they took your money away from you. So that's something for you to think about. Please be sure to rate and review the podcast on iTunes or whatever podcasting service you're using. The website is www.anamericantruckdriver.com. My email is anamericantruckdriver at gmail.com. Send me any of your comments and questions about the show. I'm on Facebook at facebook.com slash anamericantruckdriver, Instagram, anamericantruckdriver, and on Twitter at Chris Polk 76.